Hello and welcome to Food Ops. Today we are talking about mobile food facilities. This show is for the person who wants to take their food business on the go. Hi, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Derek. And he's a health inspector and we are here to help you solve your restaurant business questions. Hey, Derek. Hello. Hello. <laughs> In today's segment, we're talking about how to start up a mobile food facility. This is for the food service operator who wants to take their business on the go. So think festivals, think street corner, food service, think concerts. Large employers who just want to bring in a food truck for their employees' lunch. Exactly. So we're looking at the mobile food facility business opportunity today. Let's say I want to start a po'boy truck. Derek, you've had a po'boy? Mmm, delicious, of course. So, so good. Really good. If you've been to Louisiana and had a, a, a po'boy sandwich, oh, they're so good. The best. So I'd like to start a po'boy truck. I saw an advertisement online for a food truck. And I bought it. It was a great deal. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it was a great deal. You've never heard that before, have you? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens quite often, actually. <laughs> <laughs> People just jump in gung-ho and, and they're ready to start their business without doing any research. They do. They get a great idea and they, they dive in. Unfortunately, sometimes that might not be the best decision. What do I need to know when I'm shopping for my po'boy food truck? Well, you need to know exactly what your full menu is going to be. And then you're going to have the equipment inside, the cooking equipment inside that, uh, that you need in order to make that happen. And so instead of just going out and purchasing a food truck that you might have come across online, uh, the best way to go about it is getting the floor plan or the layout in your mind and and going from there. So let's say that you have a food truck in mind that you want to that you want to buy. Before you buy it, you need to see if it's viable. So if you have the layout and the floor plan of that food truck, you can actually send that to your local health department and they can review that because you're going to need to take that food truck through the permitting process, which includes a structural evaluation and uh, a plan check evaluation of that facility before it could be permitted. So that purchase goes far above and beyond just finding a great deal on Craigslist. Yeah, it does. Unless, I mean, it does. And then even so, you could put work into the unit to get it up to code if you want. But you, you should be aware of how much work is involved before just purchasing a, a food truck outright. Let's back up a little bit. Can you explain what a mobile food facility is? Sure. So a mobile food facility, MFF, everything has acronyms. So the MFF is a vehicle or a non-vehicle that is just mobile in nature. means it probably is going to have some wheels, an axle or two, and it can go from one place to, to another. And you can sell food 
directly to the public off of that vehicle. Um, you can do, depending on the capabilities of that unit, you can do possibly some limited food preparation, some full service food preparation, or if you wanted, if you didn't want to do food service preparation, you can just get oftentimes just a cart and sell food off of that. So it sounds like there's a multitude of, of types of carts and trucks. You would say then that one size does not fit all necessarily. Yeah, that's right. One size does not fit all when it comes to permitting of mobile food facilities. So you have your, your state regulations and they kind of have the code for the food industry. And then each individual local health department has its own jurisdiction as far as the permitting process goes. So depending on what you want to do, kind of pigeonholes you into a different permit category. So, for instance, in the jurisdiction that I work, we have five permit categories when it comes to mobile food facilities, all the way from a produce cart to a full-service food truck. And then the permit fees, you know, are adjusted accordingly, and the requirements for each one, of course, vary greatly. In your jurisdiction, there are five different types of mobile food facilities from a produce cart to a cart that would serve, allow me to serve po'boys. What are each of the five? Yeah, so the first one is a produce vehicle, and that will allow you to sell whole uncut produce to the public. If you have uh, different fruit or vegetables that you want to sell, that's what that would be. Um, Prepackaged Food push cart is another one, and that allows you to sell 100% prepackaged foods, and that's going to be from a non-motorized vehicle. And then you have a prepackaged food vehicle, which allows you to sell 100% prepackaged food from a motorized vehicle. And then you have a non-prepackaged food vehicle, which allows you to do limited food preparation. This would be a hot dog cart or a shaved ice vehicle. And then you have a full-service mobile food preparation unit, which engages in full food service preparation. That would be the food trucks that you're talking about in this case with the po' boy sandwiches. One thing to keep in mind when you're getting pigeonholed into these food categories, it's based on what food you want to do and how you want to prepare it. When it comes to limited food preparation, you may or may not need a wear washing sink. It just depends on if you fit the definition of limited food preparation and if you also have the ability to bring in additional service utensils and don't need the capacity to wear wash them on site. And it's called a wear washing sink? Yeah, typically it's a three-compartment sink, but it can also be a a two-compartment sink for mobile food facility purposes. Otherwise, all of your wear washing is going to be conducted at the commissary. Where does the commissary come into play if I'm a food truck facility operator? 
Well, if you have a, a food truck or any other type of mobile food facility, you're going to need a commissary to store your food truck at. And also in order to um, do any other food preparation beforehand or afterwards, you're going to need a place to wash your dishes, a place to dump your wastewater, and a place to fill up your water tanks that are located on your food truck too. How would I gain access to a commissary? Well, a lot of local health departments list their commissaries on their website, so you can always check your, with your local health department and then just start by calling them up and asking if there's any room available for an, another food truck. And of course, you're going to talk about the requirements that you're going to need for your business yourself. And also, one thing to keep in mind is restaurants can potentially be commissaries. And so if you want a specific restaurant to be your commissary, you can always request that from your local health department. And then they'll evaluate it and determine if that can act as a commissary or not. I've purchased the proper food truck and I'm ready to get my po'boy business off the ground. Are there any final checks that I need to, to go through? Just remember that just because you have a permitted mobile food facility doesn't mean that you can really just go anywhere to sell to the public. You need to be aware of your local zoning regulations and where you can actually set up to sell to the public. But as long as you have permission and meet the current requirements, then you're good to go. Providing guests with a dining experience also means taking into account their health and safety concerns. Derek, what are the major food allergens that a food service provider needs to keep in mind? All food service providers should be aware of the eight major food allergens to start with. And those are milk, fish, tree nuts, peanuts, soybeans, wheat, shellfish, and eggs. When getting established and then providing food to the public, what do food operators need to keep in mind? All the way from the produce carts to the fully functioning established restaurants. What should food service operators keep in mind? So the operators should always communicate to the public any food allergens that might be in their food so that the consumer can be totally informed and understand the risks associated with eating their food. And so if you have any requests from the public that um, center around food allergies, they should take those seriously. And then they should make sure to understand the allergy. So write down the allergy that that customer may have, take it to their manager, and then provide the food in a manner that eliminates that allergen from the customer's food. Uh, you know, it's, it's important to avoid cross-contact from the start, so there should be a process in play to prevent cross-contamination of foods that have the allergen in them from the foods that the, the customer is, is ordering. Of course, properly washing their hands is first and foremost when protecting against cross-contact of allergens and then using only allergen-free ingredients and then consider an allergen-free area and that would be cutting boards that are designated to be an allergen freeze, utensils, 
specific areas in your food facility that you can isolate from other areas so that you can ensure that no allergens come in contact with those services. Are there any public notices, postings, labelings that need to take place? Yes, there's labeling requirements informing the consumer of the possible allergen contamination. It's time for Now Trending. What's trending in our house is that we are recovering from COVID. Yeah. COVID has visited us in its own unique ways for the two of us. My symptoms have been more sinus-related. And Derek, what have yours, what's your experience with COVID been like? Well, I had two rough days that included primarily body aches, and chills, and then a really bad headache that lasted for a day and a half, I would say. So after those two rough days, it's just been kind of lingering tiredness, fatigue, and sore throat. Yeah, your sore throat has lasted a long time. Yeah, it lasted for like three to four days after those two initial bad days. Mm-hmm. What about yours? I've suffered fatigue as well tremendously um and muscle aches as well did you have breathing problems yes kind of labored shortness of breath yeah Mm -hmm. congestion is kind of how i thought of it more yeah um nothing that required going to the er or anything like that yeah and as you coughed a lot as well Mm -hmm. and you lost your sense of smell right yeah it was about Maybe a day's worth of, maybe maybe even two days worth. But it, it didn't even happen until the worst part of of the sickness passed. Mm-hmm. It was like day four into the sickness, I noticed that I couldn't smell quite as well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that same experience. Yeah. So now with the state of things, with COVID upon us, and being that the trend now is for restaurants to provide food service outside through patio dining. Let's talk about what is required to set up a dining experience outdoors. What are some things that I keep in mind as I transition my business to provide food service outdoors? Yeah, so keep in mind that when you're providing food service outside of your facility, that the most important thing is going to be protection of that food while it's outside. And you're not really going to store a lot of food outside anyway, but you might have some pitchers of tea, pitchers of water, um, some basic condiments. And so you want you want to be careful to protect those. So you're going to have some sort of an overhead protection or a lid on a lot of those pitchers. And then the condiments, of course, are probably going to be in enclosed containers. So that's going to be the biggest thing to keep in mind. Can I offer any of my food service outside? So if I have a bar, can I move the bartender outside? If I have any type of food prep indoors, can I move any of that outside? You'll be able to do a limited bar service outside. You can also potentially have a mobile beverage cart that you roll in and roll out. 
you're going to want to get a sign off and permission from that from your local health department, though, because they're going to need to take a look at the structure of it and then how you really intend to sell food or beverages off of it because it's going to be really limited experience as far as uh, what foods that you're going to be allowed to serve off there. Now also keep in mind that you can have a barbecue grill outside and you can serve food directly from the barbecue grill to a customer's plate. So that might be an option for you as well. What are the structural or design components that I need to keep in mind when setting up my space? Well, your local health department won't have too many design or structural requirements, but you should be aware of any ABC requirements. That's going to be the alcohol beverage control. They're going to have some sort of a requirement that you put a fence or some sort of other barrier that actually defines your space. And again, that's when you're you're serving alcohol to the public. And then most patios are going to have covers over them to protect the customers. Again, that's going to kind of be a, a personal taste type of a thing. Your local building department is going to have a say as well as to the dimensions and and the construction of that. So make sure to check your, your local building department um, for information regarding that. And I often see pets outside in, in outdoor dining spaces. Is that permissible in, in all situations? Well, yeah, I take my pet out there. Yeah, you can have pets out in, in your patio area. Again, local restrictions are going to still be in effect so that pet's not going to be able to get on any patio furniture, not going to be able to sit on any chairs, definitely not on the table. Um, but at least you can have pets out there and you can bring them to the party, so to speak. What are some of the unique patio designs that you may have come across? Well, operators right now are being really creative in how they expand their outdoor dining experience. So some of them have even gone into their parking lot. Of course, you're going to have to get permission from the local management, but they've put dining chairs, patio covers, umbrellas, tables out into the parking spaces, and they've actually laid down artificial grass turf in those areas and so it kind of makes it a, a a unique experience so you're not really just eating on concrete but it expands their overall dining capacity for their customers to recap today before we go derek informed us about the five types of food facilities mobile food facilities within his region. As always, check your own region to make sure that you are purchasing the right type of mobile food facility. And remember to make sure that it it meets what you have intended for it so that it addresses your business needs before you commit. Derek exposes to the eight major food allergens to be aware of as you open your restaurant. What were those great eight again? They were milk, fish, tree nuts, peanuts, soybeans, wheat, shellfish, and eggs. And to finish off, patio dining is trending. We talked about how to set up your food service area and your beverage cart area, as well as how to design your space to meet your local regulations. And that's a wrap on today's show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Becca. And I'm Derek. And we will see you next time.